you wish to turn and follow in the scripture, it is found in 1 John chapter 1, be reading verses 3 and 4. 1 John chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. There is a God, and that God is the God of all heaven and earth. He is the God of all creation, and that God wants to have a deep, purposeful, fulfilling relationship with you. He wants to have a deep, purposeful, fulfilling relationship with you. He really does. That is the best news ever. That there is a God who wants to have a deep, purposeful, fulfilling relationship with all of us, with each of us. 1 John, although it has only five chapters speaks of that relationship that the God of all heaven wants to have with us about as thoroughly as any book of the Bible. It really does. And when you look at 1 John, it is a book about reality. It's a book about certainty. And it's a book about practicality. I guess if I could summarize the book of 1 John, I would say it is one of the greatest show-and-tell books you'll ever find. That Christianity should be shown and that Christianity ought to be told about. After all, this God ought to be displayed in our lives if we really want to have a purposeful, deep, and fulfilling relationship with Him. But what we prize, we praise what we treasure, we have to talk about. And the relationship with God is a show-and-tell type of thing. Put a little bit differently, don't just talk about your religion, religion show it. Don't just say things about it, show it. You know, it is very common for us as people who are religious to talk a better game than we actually walk. John is aware of that. It happened then, it happens now. People who talk a way better faith than they actually walk. How much more noble it would be to have our talk and our walk correspond to parallel and it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for someone to walk a better life than they were able to talk and speak of 
When you look at 1 John, he writes for five purposes. No book in all the New Testament is clearer than 1 John about why he's talking about what he's talking about. What's real and what's genuine. What's actual in a world full of fakes and the false. Christianity and a relationship with God is real. Look at 1 John 1 and verse 3. He is writing, and you heard Steve in the scripture reading, that we might have so that we might have fellowship with one another. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. That word fellowship is really important to this book, but especially to this chapter, chapter 1. And fellowship can be defined as a rich relationship we can have with God through Jesus Christ, His Son. A rich, fulfilling relationship we can have with God through Jesus Christ, God's Son. You'll also see the word fellowship in every translation that I'm aware of occurring not just in verse 3, but in verses 6 and 7. As a matter of fact, four times in the space of a very few verses, he talks about this relationship that we can have with God and with others who are part of the family of God. He writes that we might have fellowship. Notice 1 John 1, 4. A real relationship with God and with those that love God ought to be what everybody desires. But you look at 1 John 1, 4. These things I write to you that your joy might be full. What the world offers by way of joy is so superficial and shallow. Especially when it compares to the joy that is found in Christ. We can rejoice in the Lord always. Philippians 4 and verse 4. And Jesus wants us to have deep and genuine joy in Him. 1 Peter 1 and verse 8. Now look at 1 John 2, 1. Why is Peter, why is rather John writing this book? That we might have fellowship with God and each other. That we might have full joy. And when you look at 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2, he's writing so that we might not sin. These things I write to you, he says, that you sin not. Our walk is important. It really is. Just as our talk is important. Look at 1 John 2.26. These things I write to you that you be not deceived. There are false teachers. There are liars out there. There are charlatans who specialize in twisting the truth. These things I write so that you be not deceived by what is false. Now look at 1 John chapter 5 verse 13. 1 John 5 13. 
Why are you writing, John? He's writing to a group of people that he loves. They're Christian people, but their faith is under attack. Sound familiar? People who have a love for Jesus, but sometimes it wanes. Sometimes it weakens. People who find that their faith is under attack. Sound familiar? And he writes that we might have assurance that you may know you are saved. The devil works to undermine our fellowship with God and with others. The devil works to undermine our joy. The devil works to undermine our relationship with God and cause us to sin. The devil works to lie to us and to help us believe what's a lie. And the devil is at work to help us doubt our salvation in Christ. Here in this world, we face tests. You think when you get out of college, you think whenever you get out of graduate school, you think whenever you get out of high school, a lot of the tests end. Not true. That's when the tests really seem to begin in one way. And when you look at John, he thinks differently than a lot of people. And I've heard a lot of Christians over the years say, you know, it's really hard for me to follow John because there's not this logical, common sense thinking approach that some of us talk about. Well, I want you to know that John is really practical, but he has a tendency to think in circles and relationships. And everything in 1 John revolves around three tests every Christian face. Three tests that every Christian faces. Here's the first one. The test of obedience. The test of obedience. We might call this the ethical test. Will you walk in the light? 1 John deals with that. Then he also deals with the test of truth, the doctrinal test. Will you walk in the truth? Will you walk in the light? Will you walk in the truth? And then the love test, the relational test. Will you walk in love? Growing in your love for God and growing in your love for God's people, God's family. Those tests can sometimes be a little difficult. To walk in the light in a world full of darkness. To walk in the truth in a world full of lies. To walk in love in a world full of hatred and animosity and bitterness. Now focus on 1 John chapter 1. In 1 John chapter 1 verse 1 through 1 John chapter 2 verse 2, John is talking all about fellowship. This wonderful relationship that we can have with God because of Jesus and we can have with each other. 
that's so purposeful and deep and rich and fulfilling. Six truths, six truths are proclaimed about fellowship in this section. Incidentally, some time ago I asked the church here to give me some of your favorite Bible chapters. This morning's sermon from 1 John 1 is one that several people submitted as one of their favorite Bible chapters. Tonight's lesson from 1 Peter chapter 5 is another. Just wanted to make you aware that you are the ones who asked for sermons from these passages. 1 John chapter 1. Six truths about fellowship. Truth number one. Look at 1 John 1, 1 through 4. The source of true fellowship is Christ. The source of true fellowship is Christ. And notice how Jesus is referred to. The life. The word of life. The one who gives eternal life. And if you look at the beginning of 1 John 1, that which was from the beginning. 1 John 1, 1 through 4 sounds an awful lot like Genesis 1, doesn't it? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, but not just that. 1 John 1 sounds an awful lot like John chapter 1, 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The same, the beginning with God and all things were made by Him that were made and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life and that life was the light of men. Notice the expression, that which was from the beginning. Jesus is deity. Jesus is divinity. Jesus is fully and perfectly and completely God. But notice what John goes on to do, much as he did through the Holy Spirit in John 1, 1 through 18. He speaks of Jesus' humanity. That which we have heard... That which we have seen and that which we have touched. So just in the opening verses of this chapter, he is affirming that Jesus is fully God and yet he's also fully human like us but without sin. The source of true fellowship is Christ. In his case, the messenger is the message. You think about all of the prophets of the Old Testament, they had a message from God. You think about the apostles and the prophets of the early days of the New Testament, they had a message from God. But in the case of Jesus, he is the message. Of God. The messenger is the message. The one to whom the prophets of the Old Testament pointed, the one that the apostles and prophets of the New Testament look back toward. 
Jesus is the source of true fellowship. Now notice this secondly. Notice this secondly. The message of true fellowship is the gospel. The source of true fellowship is Jesus. The message of true fellowship is the gospel. Look at verse 3. That which we proclaim or declare to you. Look at verse 5. That which we proclaim or declare to you. Look at verse 5. The message. The message of fellowship is the gospel. Message proclaimed. Message spoken. I'll tell you, the gospel ought to be lived. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel, Philippians 1.27. But the gospel should also be declared. We speak words whereby they should be saved, Acts 11.18. The source of true fellowship is Jesus Christ. But the message of true fellowship is the gospel of Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ... It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew and also the Greek. Romans 1, 16. Verse 17 continues, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed, even as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The gospel tells us how to embrace Jesus and be part of of that family, that deep relationship, that fulfilling relationship that nothing in all the world compares to. Number three. The purpose of fellowship. The purpose of fellowship is life. The purpose of fellowship is joy. The purpose of fellowship is light. In a family, people need light and guidance and direction. In a family, people need love and joy and togetherness. In a family, there's life. You live with one another. The purpose of fellowship is life, joy, and light. 1 John 1, 3, 4, and 5. That's the purpose. You know what that means? Apart from Jesus and the gospel, we're dead. There's no life. Apart from Jesus and the gospel, there's no joy. And apart from Jesus and the gospel, we're in the dark. Not the light. Think of the purpose of true fellowship. So that we could have a fulfilling relationship with God. A wonderful relationship with each other as God's family. Number four. In looking at this idea of fellowship. The basis of fellowship is God's character. 
The basis of fellowship is God's character. Listen to verse 5. In him is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. It's stated positively and then negatively. In him, God, there is light, L-I-G-H-T. And in him there is no darkness at all. Not one teeny-weeny bit, not at all. You know what that means? The basis of fellowship is light. God is light. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, John 8, 12, John 9, 5, and 6. The basis of fellowship is truth. People come to know God's truth and we walk together in His truth. The basis of fellowship is truth. The basis of fellowship is love. God is love. 1 John 4, 8. 1 John 4, 16. We love Him because He first loved us. 1 John 4, 19. And this is something to think about. You think about the vertical relationship of fellowship, Daryl, and it's amazing. We have a relationship that's deep and real and precious with God. It's more fulfilling than anything in all of the world. Do we love our brethren horizontally? Horizontally. To love God, Father, Son, and Spirit is not that hard. But to love one another can be kind of a test at times. Can I get an amen? Thank you. But we should desire both sincerely, vertically and horizontally, because of the fellowship that is ours in Christ. So, the basis for fellowship is the character of God. But look at the next few verses. Because what they do fifthly is this. They show us hindrances to fellowship. Hindrances to fellowship. And I want to tell you before I really look at verses 6 through 10. That the hindrances to fellowship are me and my view of sin and you and yours. The hindrances to real true fellowship are me and my view of sin and you and your view of sin. What do you mean? Some of us deny sin's seriousness. Some of us deny sin's seriousness. Pornography is really no big deal. Looking at others lustfully is no big deal. Everybody does it. People lie, no big deal. A failure to take seriously our sin. But the other view is a denial that we even practice sin. The denial that we practice sin. Both of these are dealt with in 1 John 1, 6 through 10. 
And what John does, notice how verse 6 begins, verse 8 begins, and verse 10 begins. If we say. It's one thing to say it, it's another thing to show, really, fellowship with God. If we say, what he's talking about is in a show-and-tell religion, and don't just say it, show it, there's a real inconsistency that can keep Christians out of heaven. Notice these verses, verse 6. Verse 6, he writes... If we say we have fellowship, catch that, Waylon, because there's the claim. Then it's followed by a contradiction. If we say we have fellowship with him, now contradiction, which is what? Yet walk in darkness. We say we have fellowship, but we walk in the darkness. The darkness is really more appealing to us than the light in a lot of ways. Notice what he says. We sin. We what? We sin. We lie. And we do not practice the truth. We lie. We do not practice the truth. Now notice verse 7. But, by way of contrast, this person who says he walks in the light, but in reality is walking in darkness, this person lies and does not practice the truth. But, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, Two results. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Saying one thing, but living contrarily to what we say. How do we deal with that? By looking to the light for enlightenment. By getting out of the dark. Walk in the light as he's in the light. Look at the next verse, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, and there's a progression here. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. You catch that? When we think of sin, one of the reasons why we tend to either uh, deny its seriousness or, or, or that we practice it is because we're in the dark. We're self-deceived. We're deluded. And there is a progression there. A person could be in the dark. That's That's tragic. A person can be self-deceived. That's taking another step in the wrong direction. You lie to yourself. 
But then in the next verse, verse 10, he deals with delusion. If we say we've not sinned, who me? I don't practice sin. Notice what he says. We make God a liar and his word is not in us. Isn't that blasphemy? To make God a liar? And isn't it the epitome of worldliness? His word is not in us. I want to focus on verse 9 briefly. Because verse 8 concluded by saying, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, two results. Notice that verse 9, just like verse 7, gives the remedy, the solution. If we confess, mark the word, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. Cleansing from our sins. Faithful and just. You know what? I believe that if we take our sins to God, if there is an awareness that we sin, yes, people that we are growing in the faith, we do sin. Pride, our speech, anger, impatience. God help me to have a heart that acknowledges this kind of wrongdoing, this kind of sin before you. Because you have promised to be faithful and just to cleanse me and to forgive me of all sins. I believe that that is a marvelous passage of hope. Don't you? Because none of us walk as consistently in the light as we ought. Now look at chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. The result of fellowship is assurance. The result of fellowship is assurance. My beloved children, John writes, These things I write to you that you sin not. But if any do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. The result of true fellowship is assurance. John writes as an old man, and he writes to Christians that he cares about, Little children that I love and care for. Little brother, little sister in the Lord. I'm writing that you don't sin. I'm writing that you will be serious, take seriously sin. I'll, I'm writing that when you practice sin, you will acknowledge it. And that you'll know that you're walking in the darkness and long to walk in the light. I'm writing for those reasons. 
But if you do sin, I'm also writing so that you know that you have an advocate. Notice the terms for Jesus. Jesus, Savior. Christ, the Messiah and King. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Apart from Jesus, nobody can be righteous. Jesus had no sin except ours. And we have no way of being righteous without him and his sacrifice. He is the one who made atonement. That's what propitiation means. He's the one who made at one, two parties... God and you, God and me. He's the one who made propitiation for our sins, not for ours alone, but for the sins of the world. The result of fellowship is assurance that one day will be realized. Faith becomes sight. Hope becomes reality. Being with Father, Son, and Spirit forever and ever throughout eternity. Being with the saved of all the ages throughout eternity. I know one song we'll probably sing. What a fellowship. What a joy divine. And for those that are God's people, leaning on Jesus, leaning on Jesus. Safe and secure from what? All alarms. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Fellowship should help us to do just that. You've been patient. Thank you. And if you've been able to pay close attention to the lesson... You'll be blessed because of God's message. If you're not a Christian, don't you want to be in the light? Don't you want to respond to the truth and not be buying into lies? Don't you want to respond to the love of God who loved you before you loved Him? And we do that through faith, repentance, and baptism. We look to God to save. When a person comes to Jesus in faith and in repentance and baptism, they are not meriting or earning their salvation. They are looking to Jesus Christ who went to the cross to make forgiveness and cleansing possible. Notice how John keeps wording that after one becomes a Christian. But it's true in coming to Christ as well. We trust in God to do what he said he would do because of Jesus. If you're not a Christian, you need to become one now. And you know, for those of us who are Christians, do you talk a better game than you walk? For those of us that are Christians, are you a sourpuss? 
Are you a person that's always grumpy and cynical and negative, or that often is? I wonder if we don't need to look to 1 John again so that we could be renewed and have a greater sense of Christ-likeness as the people of God. Let's stand and sing.